Zero. We're doing a podcast. All right. We're at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. It is Thursday night, and uh, I've been Facebook friends with this dude for a while. He's listened to our stupid show for a while for some reason. Uh, Tony Mester. What's happening, man? Well, not a whole lot, man. Did I say um, your last name right? Yes. I had Mester. a high school teacher whose last name was Meester, spelled the same as yours, and he called. He said it was Meester. And I was like, that's not how you say that, man. Dude, maybe that <laughs> guy is why literally everybody mispronounces my name. It's like, such an it's easy always, phonetic name. It's always either Master or Meister or yep. Meester something and it's never fails it's always wrong uh when you have multiple a's next to each other in your last name uh (laughs) your wife's calling shit on you man i know (laughs) my my last name has two a's and that throws people for a loop dude like big time (laughs) yeah um so we're we're at mid ohio and this is your first grid life event man yes Uh, it's also my first like real time attack event yeah you Um, uh you do a bunch of scca stuff out on the east coast no, not SCCA. Um, a sports I, car club, right? What kind, yeah. What, kind, what uh, was so, it? So I'd, I've been working with the uh, Tidewater Sports Tide, Car Club yeah, right. for a while. It's a small independent group. Um, started back in 1953. Okay. Um, That's like when all the clubs were founded. Yeah. Like early 50s. Hey, we got cars. Back before there were enough people to yeah, yell at you. Let's play with cars again. Back before there were enough people to yell at you for uh, making you, too much noise. You had to write the rules in blood, too. That was when everybody, <laughs> like, wheel-to-wheel race with no cages. and Yeah, you know. so... Um, yeah, I actually lived in Dayton, Ohio for like five years and got into autocross with the Cincinnati SCCA. Okay. Um, and it was pretty there's wild. A, there's a lot of bird poop up here. Yeah, I see that. And I see one of them making it. <laughs> um, got eyes for you, too. Yeah. Um, so. Hopefully the bomb sight on him is uh, uncalibrated. <laughs> but. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, yeah. I like think, I think Abe actually started autocrossing with Cincinnati or Dayton or something, Ohio, or mm-hmm. SCCA as well. So. That's what got him into this stuff, too. Yeah, I got into it back in, like, 2012. I originally wanted a Miata, but okay. ended up with a Mazda 3 with a 5-speed. It was yep. just a base model, whatever, 09. Yeah, fun little car. Um, they handle well. Yeah, handled fun, and it was a good daily driver. Had a newborn son at the time. Yeah. Um, he is actually just turned 9, so that's kind of crazy. Big and old now. Yes. Um, he talks back now. It was my 7-year-old, just to just figure out how to do that, too. So it's the worst. Five years ago. It doesn't get any better <laughs> two years from now. No, it's dude, she's a she's a pill lately. She's going back to school soon, so she's not happy about that. But, oh man. Um what uh what got you into Mazda two world? So when I originally got the Mazda three, I was thinking, okay, I'll have this, I'm driving in H Street because right. it was actually one of the cars that were pretty decent. Right. Um and then I was like, Well, I like to mess with things. Yeah, I came fiddle. from like the off roading world and like one of my first cars that I bought was like right out of high school. I bought a 03 Jeep Wrangler. Okay. And then, you know, put a three inch lift on it and 33s. And, right. you know, that was cool. But then I decided I found a website called Pirate 4x4. Oh, I love that site, dude. I know, There's dude. There's such good fabric. There was that site? so much good stuff. The, the, Is it still around? The It was taken over by Canadian overlords. Okay. Um, basically, the owner of the site sold it to some, uh, I forget the name, it's like some big corporate company that owns a bunch of forums and okay. stuff. And literally, you you have to have a really good pop-up blocker to go there now. Like, oh, the information's yeah, yeah. still there, but They're it's They're all like that now. It's Honda so Dash terrible. Honda got that way. And yeah. I, I have probably been there in two or three years, but when I was doing my... I was doing my 5.9 swap in my F-350. Mm-hmm. There was a bunch of write-ups on, like, Cummins, Power, whatever, because people were building all kinds of crap. But it's years old at yeah, that point. Yeah. But they had, like, good write-ups on that site. Yeah. So I, 
I kind of developed a love for some build threads on there. There's yep. some dudes doing crazy stuff with like ex-military vehicles and stuff. Oh yeah, really, really cool. There's a lot of really cool stuff. So I learned a lot of like fabrication and stuff from there. Right, right. Because um, I ended up deciding, oh hey, it'll be cheaper to literally cut every suspension bracket off of the frame, extend the wheelbase to yeah. 110 inches. You want real and nuts. yeah, I put a Dana 60 okay. HD or I did. It was a Dana 60 front. With it was a Chevy Dana 60 front. I actually converted the TJ from driver's drop to passenger side drop okay. axle with a Dana 300 transfer case. That's uh, too much, man. Twin sticked it, uh, had an Atlas uh, kit to clock it, right? Um, did a it was an F350 rear drive shaft mm-hmm. uh, with a Dana 70 HD rear, had 586s front and rear, uh, Detroit lockers. That's a serious, that's a serious, yeah. Too. Um, all four wheels and tires, they were each wheel and tire together weighed 150 pounds. They good. were steel bead locks and yep. the 40 inch TSLs. Did you, did you were, go off road a lot with it? I didn't on as much as I wanted to, right. but that was kind of where I kind of figured out that I really liked building yeah, I like more than things, right? more than uh, actually doing the thing. I was saying that to somebody the other day. I'm like, yeah, I like driving on track, but like, I think I like tinkering with my car when I have the time yes. more than even. That's like taking it to the tracks a pain in the butt. That's the biggest problem now is just finding the time. That's right. kind of why I got away from autocross because, I mean, I love going and hanging out with buddies and stuff, but I don't really want to be standing around all day yeah. long. You could suck all your free time for five minutes on track, yeah. four minutes on track. And, I mean, there's the social aspect, but if I really just want that, I can literally go and right. I can stay for two hours and then I can leave and yeah. not have to run yeah. around in the sun. You shake or, a few cones and help a few people out and then take off. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I got started with autocross with the Cincy SCCA, and I remember, you know, talking, like, I had Scott, you know, Scott Giles, I had um, Tom O'Gorman, I actually spoke with him, I I spoke with him on the way in here, you know, I just kind of said, hey, dude, you probably don't remember me, but, you know, you whooped my ass in my own car at my first (laughs) event. Yeah, because that was like a distinct memory of, Tom, you know. Tom beats a lot of people. He probably yeah. forgot. <laughs> I mean, I definitely don't feel bad about it at all, you know, considering he's a freaking pro driver now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, dude, like, I let him. He he was showing me the course, and he put, like, seven or eight seconds on me in yeah. my Mazda 3, and it's like, what the hell? Yeah. So, back to your question, after that huge sidetrack, um, we uh, I got into the Mazda 2 because I decided I wanted to tinker with it. Yeah. Um, and wanted to get something was cheaper on consumables and also Andy Hollis. Oh, he had, had one for a while. For he that. had one and he won nationals with yeah, it. He had a crazy header made and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that header cost a lot more than a lot of things on my car. I would imagine it was many thousands. Yes. It looked really pretty. It was cool. Yeah. Um unfortunately we found out that it did not really give much power, which was the biggest disappointment. Really? Yeah. It like, looked it, so it just wasn't worth the squeeze. But um yeah, so what ended up happening was, you know, he built that car for Nationals. I forget if it was 2012 or 2013. Yep. I believe one of those were the years, and he won with it. So, you know, he already had the uh, the baseline set up. That was a white um, one, too, I think, right? Yes, yeah. I believe. It was either white or silver. I've never seen a build thread on it. Um, them, man. Yeah, and uh, so what ended up happening was, you know, I had the car. I bought this Mazda 2. It came in through work. Um, I worked at the time for a massive, massive used car dealership. Yeah. yeah. You know. You can deduct from that what you want. The uh, are they maximum uh, car maximum dealership? Something like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean and they were great to work for and everything. But I had one of those that came through, and I remember thinking, "This stupid ass little car, whatever." They're like, but cool dude, <laughs> so I test drove it, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is a wrong wheel drive Miata." Yeah, pretty fun. Like pretty fun. this is the back seats and the rear doors. 
and the storage space and the same size wheels and tires as a Miata yeah. and yeah, like you can make sets and everything work too. Dude, and, yeah, it's it's perfect. Like yeah. I I order all my stuff and I I've, I've bought like three or four sets of wheels from Goodwin Racing, yeah. so <laughs> the uh, what do they weigh? Um bone stock if you take like the jack and tools and stuff out of it. Um, I believe that they weigh in somewhere around 2,300 pounds okay. without driver. That seems about right. Yeah. yeah. My car, without me in it, I have like a slightly smaller battery. It's nothing like crazy light, but it's right. like a 10-pound AGM battery yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and with the coilovers and the lighter wheels and tires. Um, 22-ish or something like that? It's pretty much 2,200 even. Okay. Um, You're with, running Sunday Cup this weekend, which is yes. our spec fit class, basically. Yeah. So looking to upset the apple cart there. I think you might. You yeah, got, you got I mean, like, uh, you're gonna be, if if you're up there, you're gonna be battling Matt Williams, which has the best fit. But, yeah. yeah, my main weaknesses will be one, I've never been never here before, been and two, yeah. I know that I'm very slow at learning a track. I'm banking on it, hopefully being nice. Yeah, Saturday and Sunday as hopefully well. We get a couple of really solid days. Yeah, because uh. the uh, I did going back to the Tidewater Sports Car Club. Yeah. You know, I volunteered with them for from 2016 through like 2020. Right. Um, started out doing timing and scoring, which um, once you do that, you never don't do that because you're the one of the only knows how, right? Exactly. Yeah, my poor timing and scoring guy's texting me right now. Where are the transponders? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's my guy right now. <laughs> yeah. So did that for the first few years. Um, ended up stepping up as president because a bunch of the existing board yeah. um, was turning over and um, ended up putting the club in a pretty decent direction. Um, and stepped down last year due to some personal reasons or the year before. Gets you busy too, man. It's yeah. Super busy. Um yeah, I, mean, I get um, super jealous of people that can step down. That sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's it was pretty great. Um yeah. so what ended up happening was in that time, uh the Tidewater Sports Car Club was what got me into the track stuff because right. they started doing um a, uh HPDE and they ran in a series called Grip Fest. Okay at NC Car, the North yeah. Carolina Center for Automotive Research right. in Garysburg, North Carolina. Um, it's a very good track for learning on just because there's so much runoff and right. it's you've got to really screw up. It's to, like a test track too. Right? It's a like, test track and uh, word on from what I recall, if you go on their website it tells you all the details, but it was built by Lotus okay. um, in the nineties, I believe. Yeah. Um, as a as a test site or some such. And then they ended up selling it to the state of North Carolina. So now it's run for research purposes. And like, you can rent track time there for it's under $200 an hour or something. How private Um, track time for private track time. What's the actual layout like? Um, Lots of constant radius turns. Okay. There's not a lot of elevation Big change. Sweeper. Is it like actually a road course though, or no? It, it's a road course. Yeah, it's. I want to say it's forty. It's it's ridiculously wide. It's thirty or forty feet wide. Um, okay. They just did a few changes to it. Um, uh, yeah. So if you go on bucks an hour, holy shit. Yeah, I mean that's for like per person. <laughs> that's so crazy. Though. But if you want to go and do a private test day, my buddy uh, Logan actually just did that. Yeah. Um, shaking down his Corvette, checking out some cooling issues after throwing just a lot of money at it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a good place, and like that's kind of always going to be have a special place to me. But yeah. your first tracks, unless it's really terrible, it kind of means something to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so because of doing club things, I was kind of constrained to doing just that right. course for so long, and. Um, so you, you know, remember I remember where all the marbles are, where all the divots are. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, learned the track decently well. Um, still not the fastest person there, but I'm, it's whatever, you know, right. it is what it it's, is. Yeah, your home track. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so I had a bunch of, you know, I had a bunch of good times there and whatnot. And once I stepped down, I was able to do other tracks. Yeah. So last September, I went to Summit Point. Which one? Uh, Shenandoah Circuit. It's really crazy. Isn't that it? was a lot of fun. It's crazy. <laughs> I signed up for one day because I had some stuff to do on that Sunday, yeah. and I really wish I had done Dude, two that days. That track is nuts. It doesn't flow though. Like it's got all these cool little flowing sections that don't flow into each other. So that and was so cool though. That was my first track day with um, with the new uh, Redshift coilover right. suspension, and like it was crazy just like being able to hit the curbs with you know ten, eleven k spring rates and not. I have it suck the curb up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a great. Bit of a digressive dampening or something. It was very digressive, yeah. Yeah, I love um, uh, I love high speed digressive coilovers. They're a lot more fun than ones that aren't. Yeah. So this car has had like a lot of development because I've owned it since forty thousand miles. I've it's been, now I got. Mean, I've been talking to you about it for four years, probably. Dude, like I remember sending you like my build thread, like because my first, yeah, because yeah. when I originally wanted to go all out for STF autocross, yeah. I decided I'm going to build this shit. Yeah, and that was dumb. <laughs> what I ended up doing was I put a, uh, I wanted to put good coilovers under it, but at the time there wasn't really anything decent. And, you know, there were BCs and stuff, right. but that was still kind of r- relative. I'm not gonna say new, but it's just basic stuff. Yeah, too, it's know? very basic stuff. Yeah. It was still relatively new. This is back in like 2014, yeah, 15. Baseline dampening out then, and yeah, and it's it's not ideal. Right. So what I ended up doing was probably better than stock on a racetrack, but right. I built a set of coilovers with Coney race cartridges based off of like what people with like S14 I remember you talking 240s about yeah. do. Yeah. Um, and then ended up playing around with a bunch of different shocks to make something work in the rear. And what we settled on was just going full retard with 700, 700 pound springs yeah. with, you know, 0.97 to one motion ratios. And each yeah. front corner weighs like 730 pounds. Each rear is like I remember you 550, we had long yeah. talks, and I was like, man, he's building his own coilers. This yeah. <laughs> I had to update my spreadsheet the other day, too. <laughs> I know. So it was just it's getting so re- really silly with it. And it was really fun because, like, me and two other guys, um, we kind of really developed the car for STF. Yeah. Uh, my buddy, Jeff Yatsko, um, he actually... I know he, that name somewhere. He did really well at a uh, at the New Jersey Pro. I, f- okay. I forget if he won it or if he came in second or something. on a forum somewhere or Facebook friends or something. Yeah, he's on uh, Jay Yatsko. He's on the forum that shall not be named. Yeah, yeah. That, that's and, what I'm thinking of, yeah. Yep. And uh, so we were... He had a bunch of suspensions, a bunch of different setups under his car. Yeah. So taking his real world, you know... The experience. experience. Yeah, you're building you off know, of all these like six people that play with this car. <laughs> at that time, it was three. Yeah, and um, and Andy used to. Right? Yes, <laughs> Andy was one of the three. Yeah, and um, yeah. So yeah, we we I went off of his what he was telling me, and I plugged all these numbers and I ran all the math. You know, dropped plumb bobs and crap to I get all agree. the suspension, all the, you know, uh, I was taking a wild stab at the center of gravity, but um, and these are these are a strut car too, right? It's a strut car. Yeah, yeah it's it's horrible. Front and it's back, so stupid. Front only. The rear is a twist beam, so it's literally right, twist beam, just yeah. like a Fit yeah. or an old uh, Mark it's One, Mark Two Volkswagen. Car stuff, it's a modern Volkswagen Rabbit, right. basically, or so, GTI or whatever. Plumb bobs and you're measuring and yeah, you know, checking out, getting the um, you know, uh, roll centers yeah. and everything, and figuring out. And man, it's way too nerdy for me. It was. Like, I understand this stuff, no. but, like, when people are, like, they build a car that's not supported very much, and they go through all this, I'm like, man, man, why don't you just buy a Civic or Miata? Uh, I get it. 
Like, Buying know, a Civic would have been the smart thing to I do mean, if anybody wants the spoiler. Like <laughs> anything with double A arms is way the hell better. It is better. Yeah. But this car is just so stupid, and I love it. Yeah. And but I'm gonna continue to throw good money after that at it. When you form like a bond with a car, there's like something to it. Like, oh, that's my car. You know, that's yeah. the one that I drive. You know, yeah. it's a stupid thing for car people, but they do it. You know? It happens. Yeah, and then you end up with a stupid piece of shit that you're taking to grid life that's for what you're Sunday. Doing, man. Well, for you got a class that's almost perfect for it. I know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, it had been under like a bunch of different setups and we ran the numbers and we used the spreadsheet to basically figure out, you know, the corner weights right. under, you know, 1.3 G's of lateral loading or whatever the <laughs> yeah. case may be. Basically trying to keep that inside front tire down right, right. so that it could put power down out of corners right. because we were limited to no limited slip. Right. So, you know, it's still running stuff like that. And funny enough, years later after, Let's see, one, two, three, four, four different setups on my yeah. car. Um, we're pretty much back to the same damn thing. Really? Yeah. So it's, it's sitting circle. on pretty much. Yeah. Try all the things. Yeah. yeah. It's sitting on like 10 K front, 12 K rear. Okay. Um, it does have a few, uh, cheap- a super soft rebound to keep the front end on the ground or it's whatever you- voodoo that that redshift guy, okay. Chris does. <laughs> Is that a rebound adjustable shock though? Uh, yes, yeah. I believe it. I believe it does adjust um, compression a little bit. Okay, but re- rebound is primarily what yeah. it affects. Um, but dude, it's it's really good. Like with the, you know, the 10k swifts, 10k front, 12k rear swifts, yeah. and these, um, you know, these shocks. Like the thing rides as well as it ever has, yeah. and it's kind of bizarre because it's sprung like a it, son of a bitch. Like it uh, the first time I had a decent, like, good set of shocks in my car. Versus, like, you know, just old school stuff, you know, Coney mm-hmm. Yellows or whatever, which are good track shocks, but they don't ride all that nice. Yeah. Um, I put a set of whiteners on there because uh, the Coney Yellows, it was a shock that was built in, like, the 80s. You know, like, it was just, it was what it was. One it was of the, to control forces on a racetrack. The rear Coney Yellows were what I originally yeah. had on the rear of my car and found out that they were not good enough. They're just, or not, kinda, they're, they're just not enough. They're solid. They're basic. It's simple. It works. But, like, they don't ride that nice. And then I put a set of coilovers with, like, really good digressive, like, pistons on it. And it's like, oh, my God. It's like, all the, the Chicago roads are terrible, right? And I don't <laughs> drive the car a lot on the street. But, yeah. like, when I did last year, I was like, this thing rides nicer than the RV. <laughs> like it's, and the RV's on air suspension. Yeah. But, yeah, it's pretty sho- pretty shocking, like, it's, when you really get this stuff right. Like, it actually can be a pretty compliant car. Yeah, it's freaking bizarre, and, like, the car feels as good as it ever has, and I'm bringing it to Sunday Cup to just pretty much play with similar cars. It's a pretty, co- pretty cool group of people, too. Yeah, so. no, I've kind of kept up with all of them and yeah. followed them on YouTube you and everything. I've noticed threads and the everything, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, doing, a, doing that, kind of going to use this event to figure out whether what I want to do with the car, right. you know, keep it, sell it. Um, right. Or do love, something really stupid with it. I love you it. threw like a livery on it. Like you went all out. Oh, it? yeah. Yeah, the livery was a uh, complimentary of my work plate, my workplace, uh, W&M Sales and Service. And uh, I saw on the back it says fakerealsponsors.com. Real fake sponsors. Real fake sponsors. <laughs> yes. Um, basically, the, the vinyls were cut by my buddy Alex, which yeah. he's now branching out into real, real sponsors. The, <laughs> um uh, it's yeah. a cool it's a cool website though. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, he's got all kinds of goofy shit and you can you can have him make up whatever you want. You can come up with stuff and you come have up a with a little buddy, man. Oh yeah. Um, um so in, in your daylight, in your day job, you were you were telling me like recently that uh, the stuff that you're doing nowadays, you're like programming all these modern cars and fixing them and stuff. I'm like, fixing you, all of the crazy electronic stuff that they're mandating on all these like newer radar cars. Radar and all this jazz. Yeah, man. Uh, so how did you get into that kind of stuff? So 
I had been with the large, large car dealership yeah. for like 14 years, you know, okay. as a master tech that whole time. And um, really don't have any complaints about how they treated me or anything like that. It was great. Um, but I kind of got into the automotive business originally as a Chrysler tech for the first couple of years out of high school. Okay not really planning to be doing this forever because I know it's going to destroy my body. Yeah. And it was, and I was feeling it like every day. And, yeah. um, there were some other like stress, like just corporate stress type BS to deal with at right. work and whatnot, which is to be expected with anything. Every business but, has its problems like that. Oh yeah. yeah. But, um, so I started just kind of casually looking for jobs and I was kind of looking at getting into computer stuff. And I happened on this ad for doing ADOS calibrations. And for anyone that doesn't know, ADOS is advanced driver assist systems yeah so that's kind of an all-encompassing word for all of the modern tech on new cars things yeah. like the blind spot monitors the front facing radar for the automatic emergency braking the automatic cruise control where it paces the car in front of you the uh, so nuts too the lane keeping assist where you know it tugs the steering wheel if you're starting to drift out of the lane or you know the lane the lane watch on hondas where um it shows you the little picture behind the car yeah. uh, when you hit your turn signal to the right side on the passenger side. Um, you can also press a little button on the turn stock to see when you're gapping fools yeah. in a new SI <laughs> really? or something. Cool. Yeah, I got uh, I got that idea from my buddy Greg. Yeah, man, and then you hit the hazards, right? <laughs> yeah. The yeah, so... Brought them fools to gapple beast. Yeah, man. So, like, what's been really wild is, um, you know, going from the service side of, right. you know, fixing cars... Yeah, you're changing to, control arms, doing all the changes and all that jazz. Yeah, doing, you know, doing that and, you know, diagnostic stuff yeah. and whatnot. But um, what, something you never really think about is cars that have been wrecked. Yeah. And going into the collision side, which is primarily where I do what I do now, yeah. is a case of, you know, dealing with insurance... And it is really crazy, like what a few insurance companies will decline and, you know, not have done when, uh, you know, their vital safety systems to the car, um, you know, the automatic emergency braking is controlled by a radar on the front of the car. Yep. Um, I know I've sent you some pictures and yep. stuff of like aiming the radars and stuff. Yeah. So like, how do you, like, how do all these things work? So you plug into a big port and you start playing with it. Or yeah, you, it? you plug it in. You know, you plug into the OBD2 port, right. and um, but the first thing that you do is you have to first check the radar to see where it's aimed currently. Right. Um, this is obviously after all repairs are done. Right. Yeah, um, you straighten the body panels, you paint it, you make it look good. And, yeah. Um, and one of the things like and you every see that the radar is looking at the moon. Right? Yeah, basically. Um, so every manufacturer, just about every manufacturer, has um, a position statement of one sort or another. Um, for instance, like GM says that any car that gets in a collision has to have the front-facing camera calibrated. Right. They use that camera for um, collision avoidance warning right. and for uh, lane keep assist. Okay. Um, there's some insurance companies that, you know, car gets wrecked, and, you know, one of our job is with WNM um, is to provide all of the documentation to the body shop. We're a sublet vendor. We're not, like, our own... Like we don't have our own little place. We're a mobile sublet company you go that goes and you check on cars. to body shops. Right. You know, we assess the cars before they're wrecked. We do what's called a pre-scan, pre-collision scan. Right. Um, you know, basically look and see, okay, it's got codes in this, this, and this module. And, you right. know, these ones can be ignored because they're just low voltage codes. It's probably just from cycling the key or whatever right. the case. Um, this one here, though, is a problem because it's got an open circuit and it's current. Right. Um, you know, stuff like that. Um, Wild. So you have to be able to assess, you know, all of these different codes and 
that's kind of where my automotive background really came in handy as far as being a tech goes. You yeah, know, because you've worked on all the pieces. Yeah, man. Like you can visualize the entire system versus like. Yeah. yeah. Now, granted, I didn't work. I never really screwed with like the ADOS stuff. Yeah. Just right. because we're not working on wrecked cars. Right. And like things that you don't realize, like I put out a. Um, I put out a document and I put it, I hosted it on my Google Drive. Mm-hmm. If you Google search, I know I posted it to Grassroots Motorsports. Yeah. It's called ADOS and the Car Enthusiast. Right. Um, if you search for that and it yeah, should, I read and, that. You sent it to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's really wild because of all of these things and you just kind of assume that it's going to work and everybody, you know, owners, insurance companies, they, they tend to have the thought, oh, there's no code, it's fine. Mm-hmm. That's not how any of these systems work. Yeah. Like, there's a few that will set codes if it's, like, way off. Okay. But, you know, if you have a camera um, looking, you know, too far to the left or to the right, right. Um, it's going to try and force a pull in the steering. Like, oh, man. you can align it all you want, but unless you either turn off the lane keep assist or you align the thing properly, uh, you know, align the camera properly, it's going to, you know, drift left or drift right. Um, There was a, I forget if it was a lawsuit or if it was just a news article. (laughs) Yeah, man. Like, um, I know that there was a, I forget if it was a lawsuit or if it was a news article or some such, but there was, there there was something I remember seeing about. Dead bus full of nuns because they're (laughs) not a Civic that steered left, right? Yeah. Somebody, somebody, uh, they, they had to sue their insurance company or they had to fight with their insurance company or some such to get them to cover this calibration because right. um, they were trying to tell them that, oh, there's no codes, it's fine. Right. But, you know, the camera was aimed, like, you know, a couple degrees to the left, probably, or to the right. 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 And basically, going down the road, it was just constantly veering into oncoming traffic. That's so crazy. It's so stupid. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, until you talked to me a while ago about this, and I was like, we have to talk about this on the podcast because I've never even heard of this stuff. But you know that these things exist, like lane keep assist and radar crews. Oh, and stuff. yeah. I, and mean, I think they're amazing when everything's working. Dude, when they're working, it's great. Like, like, I rented a car to drive to Louisville and like a Passat and like I barely drove. Yeah. And like, it's amazing. Dude, and it's crazy because like people think, oh, self driving cars are going to be great. But dude, this is all the stuff that's going to be controlling it. <laughs> Dude, Somebody's so, got to make these things not steer into each other. Yeah, man. So part of what we do with WNM, and the WNM actually stands for Weapons and Munition. Really? Yes. Um, my uh, my boss, his name is also Tony. Mm-hmm. He was a uh, Marine. Yeah. And um, you know, obviously tying it into that, yeah, but you know it. what? Yeah, you know, what we do is we provide the body it's good shops. Logo though. Oh yeah, <laughs> I like it. It looks great on the car too. Yeah. Um, you know, we provide the body shops, the weapons and munition to give them all of the documentation, so that they can all of the reasons so they can bill for it and get it done. Right. Right. Um, you know, because that's the biggest thing is insurance companies. Like I know I've told you some horror stories yeah. about one yeah, particular one. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to name them here, but, right. um, for obvious reasons, but yeah. Um, they don't want to fix it correctly. They want to fix it cheap. Yeah. A few yeah. of the biggest insurance companies you definitely got to look out for right. and, one of the biggest things I wanted to talk about was just as a car enthusiast, knowing and understanding how these systems work and when they need to be calibrated. Right. Like on Toyotas and um, some of the newer Hondas, some of the older Hondas are chassis mounted radars. Right. But on like some of the newer ones, they're mounted on the uh, behind the emblem, um, just like Toyotas. And so they're to- mounted to plastics and they move right. around. And, yeah. yeah. So every time that that bumper comes off and goes back on. Yeah. There's the potential for that angle to have changed. So do these things, when you adjust them, are they just like friction fit or mounts that move? That's or the thing. Every single one is different. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. So the Toyota ones, like most of the newer Toyota ones, you have to, um, you basically digitally align them. Oh, okay. So you go in with the computer and you, what you do is you, you shoot the center line down the vehicle and you make sure tire pressures and everything is right. You make sure that the car is aligned with a right. straight thrust line. Um, and then you, you set the car up on flat ground and it has to be level ground. Right. Um, and then you shoot a laser, we shoot a laser down center line. Right. Um, I've shown you pictures of that. You know, hang a plumb bulb on one side, right. shoot a laser down center line, um, and then you make a mark. You know, so many millimeters ahead of the car, based off of either like Honda has you do it from center line of the wheel. Right. Um, Toyota has you do it from the front bumper. Yeah. Um, most Toyotas, it's four thousand millimeters from the front bumper. Four thousand millimeters. Yes, most of them. <laughs> yeah. You always, always, always have to look at the procedure. Just right. the other day. You know, like I've gotten pretty comfortable doing this since February. Right. But you always have to be cognizant and looking at the procedure for the exact car you're looking for at. For that one, yeah. Because, you know, I went to do a Toyota radar the other day and it tells you, all right, you have to measure, you have to, first you have to mechanically level the sensor. There's an adjustment for it. You have to pull a cover off mm-hmm. and you, so you mechanically level the sensor to, right. you know, perfect 90 degrees. But then the compensation on the computer is only for horizontal. So what you have to do, and because the badge is just slightly offset, or the right. radar is slightly offset behind the badge, you measure 5,000 millimeters forward and 11 millimeters to the left toward the driver's side. So, <laughs> oh, so, so crazy. changing that angle like has a huge effect on how anything works because if you shoot the target too close, right. assuming it doesn't throw a code because they're pretty decent about detecting distances. Right. Um, on the Toyotas, at least, they will tell you, you know, the distance to the target so you can kind of use that as a troubleshooting to know, right. okay, something's up. Um, and it's also very important to do this like procedure around nothing else at all. Like you need to have a clear area because right. if it's bouncing off of like a steel beam in the shop or another right. car nearby, it'll throw off the calibration. So and crazy. It might go through. It might tell you that it's calibrated and, and everything's fine. And, and you take it on the highway and it veers to the left. <laughs> yeah. Or the, the radar, what it'll do with the radar, in my opinion, is hands down the most important thing. To make sure is calibrated, because right. you can live without the blind spots. Mm-hmm. You know the if little. You can drive. You can live without them. Yeah, the little. But, yeah. yeah. Okay. The, the common folk can't, but right. the car enthusiasts, you know, yeah. the idiots listening Just to check this your podcast. Mirrors, right? yeah, yeah. Check your mirrors. Check your mirrors. Adjust them right so you can yep. see everything behind you. And um, you know, you can live without that. You can live without the 360 cameras, right. where you know gives you the bird's eye view, which is that's those are fun to calibrate. It's so crazy how they work. Too. I, I know. I, I sent you pictures of all this stuff, yeah. man. And um, I've been researching it too. Have like, you? It's so weird. It's like, really cool stuff. Like just like melding all these angles together. Yeah, it's bizarre. But what's crazy is that you know every time that you take a mirror off of a Nissan with those 360 systems. Yeah. You, know, you take a mirror or the front grille or the rear um, the rear camera out of the tailgate, you end up needing to recalibrate you them. You got an hour of work, right? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, more than that, I believe that the Nissan radar or the Nissan 360 pays. I want to say it's like three to three and a half hours to, to calibrate it. To calibrate them, yes, because you have Holy to cow. put tape lines all the way down around. Hey, cutie, here you go. Catch them, please. So we're throwing keys down off the balcony. Oh, there we go. They they worked. They didn't blow yeah. up. Wife wanted to get into the tow pig. So, yeah, um, you know, basically you have to lay tape lines all the way around the car. Right. Uh, you have to shoot center line. You have to measure. You know, you have to put a. Basically, you have to draw a perfectly square box right. or rectangular box like a around the car. box almost to yeah. align it. Right. And what you do is you go into every one of the individual cameras and you have to set the, uh, 
you know, you have to set the X and the Y axis right. and the, um, some, some cars you have to set the zoom on, on Toyotas, you can zoom them in and out. Um, on the Nissans you do, you know, the X and the Y axis and you can change the angle. You can tilt the cameras as well. How do they make cars so cheap still? This sounds so complicated. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's nuts. It's crazy because. Yeah, this it, is like, you know, I mean, we have a lot of listeners that have a lot of modern cars with this stuff and nobody thinks about this. Nobody does. And like, you know, Honda's. Um, the craziest thing is like what's scary about the collision industry is just how many people do not know about these systems or how like, vital it is to aim why them. you guys exist. Cause, cause body yeah. shops don't want to learn it. Yeah. I mean, there's a few shops that I I've been to where, you know, they call me up to do a calibration because the check in or not the check in light, but like the, there's a warning light on the dash for yeah. the forward collision warning. I get there and it's got the forward collision warning. It's got a, um, it's got a code in there for the uh, park sensors not calibrated nothing's working like toyotas on uh, a lot of the newer toyotas if you replace one of the park sensors just one of the stupid sonar park sensors in the bumper you have to program the angle of that sensor in relation to the ground before it will do anything really yeah and people are just plugging them in and how come it's not working yeah, it, it must it, be a bad it, sensor. It yeah. tells you the park assist is not available. Right. I think it's called the intuitive park assist, if I recall yeah. correctly. They changed the names, and that's another thing that's confusing about this is every single manufacturer has their own names for each one of these yeah. stupid systems. They got systems. a new buzzword every three years for their own systems. Oh yeah, too, probably, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, they got to make uh, cool brochures with uh, all their cool names. Yeah, man. So like, weird. It's just really bizarre. And so what we do with W and M is, you know, we go into these body shops and we try to educate them on these things yeah. because it's a huge freaking liability yeah. if things are not fixed correctly. Especially nowadays um, with how integrated it is. God, dude, like there's, I mean, if you look up just for some time, just Google um, some insurance lawsuits right. about improper repairs. Yeah. Um, there's tons of them out there. Yeah, like there's a there's a really big one actually involving a Honda Fit where a roof was repaired improperly. Oh, yeah. Um, I've, I've read about this one. Yep, yep. Yeah, the one where the roof was peeled back because yep. um, I forget if it was uh, it was welded and not bonded or bonded and not yeah, welded. Yeah, bonded and not welded or whatever. Yeah, basically they didn't follow the factory the procedure. Kind of stuff. And, you know, what ended up happening was because the insurance company, what was claimed by the body shop was the insurance company didn't want to pay for the full procedure. Right. or the And... After working in the collision industry, I absolutely believe that 100%. Right. Like, we have... They don't pay for anything. Huh? No. Like, we have some companies, you know, one of the techs will write it up for, like, a 16-hour repair on, right. you know, a rear quarter. And, like, this is, you know, five different sections of structural metal. Jeez. And you have Big to... stuff. Yeah. And you have to do, like, one at a time so that you can properly... Um, Straighten out the next one. Yeah. Well, resistance... I mean, even with all new panels. Right. But you have to... You know, manufacturers, they'll require that you have to, like, resistance weld... Right. Um, those panels, you know, you can't just, you know, spot weld them right. and you have to do the things properly and or the crash structure isn't working. Yeah. And or, you know, you have insurance or, companies who will send a salvage complete quarter and tell them to weld it up. And right. like, no, you cannot do that. Like insurance companies sound like they're still living in like the nineties. Yeah. Like but. there are manufacturer procedures like Nissan says, Nissan has a position statement that says you may not use aftermarket or um you may not use aftermarket or salvage structural parts because there's no way to guarantee the quality and integrity of it um and not to mention most aftermarket stuff i'm sure you've run into over the years just doesn't freaking fit right really fits you know it's one thing if it's like fit and finish stuff like you know if a bumper doesn't fit quite right that's yeah like and if you're yeah if you're 
if your old Civic has, you know, if the paint is done wrong, that's not a liability. But if you're, <laughs> you know, the body shop's got some things that they could screw up and not have a big, be a big deal. Yeah, but I mean, but if this you get, sounds like a big deal. Yeah, man, like because if you get hit in that quarter again, and you have somebody sitting in that third row or right. whatever, you know, and that whole panel just tears instead right. of. You know, instead of folds, instead instead of absorbing, you know, like it should, you know, there's no way to guarantee that it'll ever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, it's just absolutely sickening how much you have to fight with some insurance companies. You can do it so wrong too. Oh yeah. Um, Um, Well, yeah, I think it's fascinating stuff. Like, I didn't know that any of this, like, you know, these things exist, lane keep assist, radios, all this stuff, but you don't know how integrated it is to everything and how adjustable it is. And yeah, like, it wasn't anything I ever thought about until you're like, dude. Guess check this out. <laughs> like, yeah, holy cow, dude! The like, whole industry I didn't even know existed. It continues to just blow my mind. Like every day, like just right. with some of the stuff that we see. Like um, and every we, car is different than next. And exactly, yeah. and it can, the tech continuously changes. Like right. Toyota is starting to put blind spot monitors on the fronts of their cars. Really, I honestly I haven't run into one personally. We had one of our technicians um, who ran into that for the first time, I believe in georgia so there's monitors all over the place yeah there's just so much money hanging all over the car <laughs> so crazy and I'm, I'm assuming that they're used for um you know if you're pulling out of a parking spot right. and you can't see a car coming like it's probably going to slam on the brakes yeah or if there's a low pole or something like yeah that. it's probably know. used as like rear like nissan calls it rear cross traffic alert i'm assuming okay. toyota is probably going to do the same thing but with the front end as right. well Interesting. um but yeah dude it's it's absolutely crazy because um, you know, on like the Toyotas, every time you remove that bumper, right. every time that you remove that grill and reinstall it, like you really should have yeah. the aim checked. You got to make sure it's right. Yeah. Um, these things are probably just barely mounted too. You know, oh, like. and you know, cause if you're going down the road, like I don't think I've seen a single, I may have seen one or two out of the hundreds, maybe a thousand or so I've done right. in the last few months where, you know, I go to shoot it. I go to shoot the radar the first time I have everything set up. And, you know, we use lasers and stuff. We line up everything because mm-hmm. we shoot for, you know, millimeter accuracy to get things like right. exactly where they need to be. Yeah. Um, and you shoot the radar and you'll see, like, I had one the other day. It was off by six degrees to the left. Yeah. So if you're going down the road, that thing is looking, you know. It's looking at the, the lane it's like next two, It's looking two dozen feet to the left. Yeah. Like, if you were to drive that thing. I guarantee that it would be slamming the brakes yeah. on going down like a country road or something and coming on oncoming traffic. Scary, dude. So yeah, especially if you're tracking a car like that too, and you yeah you know, turn it all off. Turn it all it's off. Be correct at least. Um, crazy. Yeah, man. Like all the newer Toyotas and Hondas and Nissans, especially um, those are probably our biggest uh, money makers. That's what you work on the most. <laughs> yeah, because those cars like they're putting them in everything now. You know, they have the freaking radars and stuff. And the Every cameras in freaking Sentras. Yep. Um, other it's things are not mandated. Is it just backup cameras are mandated, right? It's not mandated, but in I believe it was 2018, there was I think 20 manufacturers. Yeah. Um, this is actually mentioned in the article right. that I wrote, uh, Ados and the Car Enthusiast. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was put in there. 18, yeah. Um, but there were 20 manufacturers who basically pledged to have I think like 90% of their cars coming with forward collision avoidance right, right. standard. Yep. And most of those manufacturers have met or exceeded that already. Yeah. Um, I think the goal was by 2022. Super crazy. Yeah, man. And like, being, right, my dad's got a car with, with some of that in it. And like, 
Yeah, it really stops you. Yeah. It stops your heart. Oh, yeah. It, it does it. And what's crazy is, like, even when, like, you don't, you're not even sure that it's done anything yet, like, yeah. those radar, they, those things can detect, like, two, three hundred feet ahead of you. It's like, wild. they're constantly looking. And, Super crazy. Um, something we actually discussed with, uh, you know, a company the other day, we were talking about, like, what are we going to do as a company with the liability of if people are lowering cars and yeah, yeah. raising them? Modifying. Because, like, the F350s and stuff, when you put, you know, you turn into a big old freaking bro dozer right. with, you know, 42s or something. Yeah, and you change the angle a little bit. Yeah, like, like you, you can't just aim it at the ground because, you know, yeah. it's it still has to look ahead of it. So you know, it's a, not going to look. Could somebody call you out to work on that and like, hey, make this as good as we can? I don't. That's kind of what we're right. we're still kind of up for discussion Figuring on that. For the time being, that. we're handling stuff on a case by case basis. So by cool. and large, most of what we do is all like OEM stuff. Yeah, you know, if it's if it's plus or minus like one inch in ride height, it's probably not right. too big of a deal. But you know, twelve. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Like some cars are super sensitive about it. Like I've heard, you know, some Volkswagens have problems with when you're uh, pulling into like driveways and stuff. Oh, like yeah. it'll slam the brakes on because it's got uh, these is two the, little Doppler radar sensors. Yep, it's got these two little radar sensors in the grill okay. that will just bring the car to a freaking stop because it thinks that you're about to hit something. Yeah. I mean, if kind of. Steep if it's low enough, you probably might. But Yeah, those guys are pretty low, too. Yeah. Well, that's a weird business, man. It's freaking yeah. cool, man. It's, it's, it's I'm glad I made I the jump. I didn't even know existed. Dude, so. it's, and we're only going to see more of it. Like, right. what we're going to be getting into soon is going to be, like, LiDAR. Right. Where, you know, it's shooting, um, you know, infrared light right. all around the car. And what it does is um, it shoots, you know, in like 360 degrees and it bounces back and it right. gives the computer basically a three dimensional image. It makes a model of yeah, what's around it. It makes a model of everything around it. And it is the wildest shit, man. Yeah, it knows like how big the vehicle to your back left is and all that stuff. Yeah. That's crazy. It's some it's some nutty stuff, dude. Well, I think we made a podcast. I'm worried my battery's dying. So how all do right. people find out about the place you work? Uh, where um, are you guys based out of? So they're based out of South Carolina. Yeah. Um, they have, we actually have technicians in multiple states. Um, okay. And you put me on the spot trying to remember them all. Virginia, North, I think North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. Right. All um, over the place. Huh? Yeah. There's a, and the, we also have a sister company called All Clear. Okay. Um, the company had Tony. Um, mm-hmm. He has two sons. One runs All Clear. One runs okay. uh, WM. Wow. Well, yeah, man. So uh, you can go somebody's to, out there fixing it. Yeah, man. You can go to WNMSalesUSA.com yeah. um, if you want to check it out. It's honestly, it's a pretty basic website. That's it's just this thing. That's we like, we've primarily worked by word of mouth. Yeah, nobody like, even knows it exists. It's, it's so cool. It's the wildest I, I stuff. I mean, it's cool that the tech exists. It's like kind of scary that you got to fix it. Yeah, and <laughs> what's really wild, like I kind of fear for the industry in the future because yeah. of uh, some of these manufacturers that are putting what's called secure gateway modules in oh where you cannot do anything with the car right. unless you have the factory scan tool and a subscription. Right. Um, so 2018 and up Chrysler's and a 2021 or 2020 and up Sentra's, the new body style yeah. Sentra's. It's all locked down. Um, yeah, like you have to have a live subscription. You know, we have factory software for Honda, Toyota, uh, Nissan. Right. Uh, GM, Chrysler, Ford, Hyundai, Kia, you know, and also like Infiniti and Acura, you know, they're same thing, but you know, we've got factory software for all that stuff. All those calibrations we use that on. Yeah. Um, What a weird little business. Yeah. 
So well, I hope your Mazda 2 does well. Thank you. Yeah, I'll see how I do because it's been February. It's, I haven't driven on track since February. Dude, you're going to love this place. It's really fun. I'm looking forward to it. And, I have uh, a feeling as much as I love my work, I'll probably love it more than work. Yeah, you're going to have a good time. It's a good track. So yeah. If we've got dr- nice dry weather, it's, uh, it's a really fun racetrack. Yeah. And the spec fit boys are going to have a good time. So. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm glad you came out, man. Awesome. Good to meet you in person. All right, man. And I think we did a show. Uh, this show is brought to you by FCP Euro. All the parts that you uh, can buy from them are guaranteed for life. ApexTrackCoach.com. The Apex Pro, the new Gen 2 units out. And, uh, of course, the Patreon listeners. We appreciate you all. So. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the pits at a grid live to say hello. Thank you.